Hi, this is Bob Cousel of the Cousels, and you're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. So, Justin, social media, something about Facebook has allowed me to not only have fun and and go back and forth and, you know, have cute little quips with people, but it's really established very strong, deep relationships. And one of my very first relationships on Facebook was with a guy named Rick Smolke from Addison, Illinois. And I don't know how we connected. All I know is he was seeing what I was doing with women who write at the very beginning. This is when I first started. This is going back eight years ago. And he immediately said, I want to help you. Rick Smolke is a commercial printer. He also does personal printing, you know, from business cards to CD to packaging to signs, calendars. He does all of that stuff. But then I hired him. He did the galleys for my book. He did my bookmarks. He did my signature plates. There, He is my go-to guy. And what I will say about quick impressions is what sets them apart from every other printer is the customer service. They are just the most amazing people. They have graphic artists on there that'll help you design your card. Their prices will match any wholesaler on the internet. They'll get it shipped to you. Their prices are the best. The relationship you will have with them is the best. So what I'm going to suggest is if you have anything you need done, whether it's for your, they do, they do professional football teams. They do huge corporations, the printing, they do huge jobs, but they, no job is too small because they're really people. They're people, people. They're, what's that expression? They're people persons. And so if you have anything you need done, please call Quick Impressions. They're right outside of Chicago, Quick Impressions. And please ask for Rick Smolke and tell him that Vicky sent you. And I promise he's going to take, they are going to take such good care of you and match any price you'll get anywhere. Quick Impressions, Rick Smokey. And you can find them at quickimpressions.com. And that's quick, Q-U-I-K, no C, quickimpressions.com. Save the C for the Rick and ask for Rick. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, Justin, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Vicky? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm, I'm having um, sort of, I've had a, a really interesting time uh, of late. You know this thing I do in my living room, Women Who Write, this literary salon. Uh-huh. So recently I had um, Carrie Elways of The Princess Bride. Uh, did you, are you a Princess Bride fan? Yes. Okay. It was, it was totally surreal mm-hmm. because of course, you know, he's famous for, um, you know, as you wish and, uh, um, so I was ordering him around all day, farm boy, entertain us. And he would say, as you wish. And, you know, this is like my dream come true for a man to say that to me. <laughs> so, so, and a man that looks like that, oh, my God. So the women, so, you know, this thing takes place in my living room, in my kitchen, and there are, you know, 50 women and, and a, f- a handful of men. And then I invited my friend Judd Nelson, who's known Carrie I didn't even realize that but they go back 30 years and so they you know he surprised Carrie that was great for them and we just it was was like movie star extravaganza in my living room it was so exciting it was so fabulous and by the way um, ladies you don't have to be a woman or a writer or Jewish or like rye bread to come to women who write so if you're in LA you know hit me up Vicki Abelson dot com or whatever Vicki Abelson anything Facebook Twitter V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N and you can find me everywhere because I'm I'm everywhere it's so obnoxious that I'm everywhere but anyway so but that gets me to our guest tonight Justin 
because two, not even two years ago, in November of 2014, wow. um, James Morrison from 24, he, w- he was the, what was his character's name? He was, he was the boss man. He was the, the head of the FBI, uh, opened, and he was a, a musical guest at Women Who Write that day. Hmm. And then the middle act was Bob Cowsill, who then led the way to Ed Asner. Now, mm. that is a very eclectic group of people performing together. Oh, for sure. But what happened was, I, I cannot tell you why, but it was lightning in a bottle. And it gives me goosebumps even talking about it. Because Bob did, I mean, I, I have been a Cowsills fan. I am the perfect demographic for the Cowsills because I they were little kids and I was a little kid and I don't know I was about 10 and when they when I first heard the rain the park and other things it was over for me I mean my room was covered in their posters I was obsessed with Barry sorry Bob um, because he was my age but he was my age you know he was like and there was it was the first time there was like a teen idol that was actually age appropriate because he was a preteen also when I, you know, and, and John was a little younger than me, but ba- Barry was right my age. And I was just obsessed with the Cowsills. And so having, I, so I, I, thanks to Louise Palenka, whose Ridgewood Studios we are at today, as we are every Tuesday. Thank you so much, Wheezy. Um, my joy. So Louise made this incredible documentary, um, and 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 I'm looking at the poster on the wall behind me, which um, we're going to show you some video of at some point uh, before this broadcast. But Family Band, the Castle story, and Weezy did this. This was with the Castles for years, f- putting. We together couldn't get rid of her. <laughs> putting together this documentary, and so through Louise. Um, I don't even know if that's how. Ha- what happened was somebody, t- yeah, you told me, but somebody else told me that Bob was playing at this little club in Studio oh, City. Yeah, that's right. And I ab- I about lost my mind because Louise had already finished filming. She, th- it was already in the can and on the air by the time we, re- you know, anything happened. I don't know. And so I went to this club in Studio City and it just, and, and, I really couldn't breathe. I was really beside myself. I didn't know how to even think. And I walk in, and that night, Susan is in town, and John is drumming. And I mean, for it was like the perfect storm of craziness. Yeah, that's unusual. And I, I, I'm, I'm introducing Bob before I even like introduce Bob. But Bob is here. Like I'm, I'm pretending here. like he's not here. But no, no, we're here. Okay, so it's all good. So <laughs> they did this this three set show that i cried oh, i cover laughed tunes, you know. but but you did your songs oh, yeah. you did beatles songs, but every song that you did bob you lead singer bob was exactly perfect to the cover whoever you were covering and susan's harmonies with you and john's and, and it was just the most magical night of music and i had been asking you for a while, I think, prior to that via email. But then when I'm we sure. <laughs> when we met that night, though, you said yes. Bob came to the house and did Women Who Write, and that day was magic in a bottle because that video, I've had 
We've had earth, wind, and fire in my living room. Yeah, We've I had saw that a one. monkey. We've had t- uh, yeah. uh, two monkeys have done women who write. <laughs> We've had a turtle. All kinds <laughs> of people have done women who write. And Bob's video is by far had the most hits of anything I've ever done, except for I just shot Bruce Springsteen at the longest concert he's ever played, and that video has a few more well, hits. If because you, if you're going to kill Bruce Springsteen, well, uh, you're going to be on a big video well, then. Only because <laughs> Good Morning Bruce America Bruce. ran my video the next oh, day, that's and that's the, only, that's the only yeah. reason that that one has more hits. But I bow to the boss. But, <laughs> but, but Bob has over 25,000 hits from my little living room, and yeah. there is not a week that goes by, literally, in two years, that I don't get at least one email sometimes as many as a dozen of people like crying thanking me for it's it. It's cool because you you can get to it quickly because I started being asked about it and you you do something like that and you get on with your life clearly mm-hmm. you know but then someone comes up to you I saw you online oh you did oh, yes believe me none of us none of the councils none of us have ever put anything of ourselves <laughs> online yeah. so I saw you online oh what did you see well, you're standing there. There were these. Wi- I got used to it when they started talking about the women immediately. There are these old. Elton, well, oh yes, we're old. Right, it's look. okay. We're old. What do you want? There's the old women there. They started singing with you. I go, oh my god, that's Vicky Abelson's <laughs> living room, and it's followed me into all over the country in terms of people say, oh, I, I saw that video, and every time I go, what video? I know, I know it's coming. They start talking about the women, and I know where I am. I know, I know what they're talking well, about. Well, the be- the, because my favorite part of the video, um, there's a moment. I'm, I'm going to actually, when I put this show up, I'm going to put the link to that up with it. But there's a moment when Bob is starts to sing, and it's a part right before the chorus uh, uh, in The Rain in the Park and other things, right? Yeah. And it's right when he gets to the chorus, and all of a sudden, we just all started singing. And it totally took Bob by genuine surprise. Well, you don't think that anybody, I mean, you know what you're doing and you're standing there and, and you think some people have heard of you because it's been so long. So, you know, to erupt into singing something that that was something you did was an immediate thing from the from the girls there that, hey, we're on this. We know we know what's going on here. And we really connected everyone very quickly. And very quickly. And Bob just stops mid-song. Yeah. It's like the cutest moment in video history. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's totally taken aback. And, you know, the women are, are nonplussed because they're just going to continue. Oh, they no, are not going to stop singing. <laughs> it's a fun... Uh, I'm glad I did that, of course, you know, but I didn't think I'd get such a life out of it. Oh, after, my gosh. You know. And then, and as, Asner's on. sitting in the back of the room, so the, every time Bob is singing and the camera goes to Ed, and Ed's bopping yep. to the cow's hill. I've which, been asked, is that Ed Asner in the back <laughs> more often than anybody so has been asked that question. And, and, and Bob says in his, in his, like, little patter during the, not little patter, fabulous patter during the thing, he said, yeah, and, you know, thank you for putting this perfect thing together, and you know, you got me, James. You got me, Ed. <laughs> Ed was big because, you know, of our age. You know, he's our guy. Oh, my he's God. But it was Luke the whole. Grant and uh, everything else. It was just a, an absolutely perfect, Amazing perfect day. And, and so I have a really, uh, the soft spot in my heart for you as, as, a, as that little girl in the Bronx who was I saved. was never a little girl in the Bronx. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I appreciate that, really. No, I, I mean, you guys were so Especially important. having followed you telling me Barry was your favorite. This is a big, <laughs> big 
forward movement yeah, for but, us. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I didn't get to meet Barry, unfortunately. Um, I, I do know John. John came and did the living yes, room. Yes, he and, did. Yeah. And, uh, and I've met Susan, and, and I've seen Susan perform a number of times with the Wild Honey stuff, and, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of both of theirs. But I ha- my fondness <coughs> for you is, is a unique fondness because that day we shared, and, and also... You are the voice of the cow sills. You well, are. Well, Paul is actually more than me, but I, here's the deal. Paul wasn't part of the cow. I know, my but, cow but listen to me. The, the the songs with me singing the songs, I thought I was going to turn those back to Bill one day. Clearly, okay, till he passed away. Yeah. So I'm singing them for years at Pickwick's Pub, and I'm going, oh, I'm singing them now. But one day, you know, 28 years goes by, mm-hmm. and and then you realize, no, you were you were getting in shape to do this for the rest of your life. I mean, that that is what you learn about that little thing, and you go, oh, who knew? And that's kind of a sad part about it, mm-hmm. you know, that you keep singing them, and you, you try and uh, get it as good as Bill did, because he was the best singer in the family. And he, I mean, out of a wheelchair, he could outdo any of us. He just could, you know, because that's what he had. That DNA kind of combination was perfect for him. It took me 30 years to even get close so that I'm I'm pulling it off, you know. You're not just pulling but it off. But he did it effortlessly. Mm. You know, he did it like, oh, it took me 30 years to get to that point. <laughs> no, you're, interesting. You're, but you're being really humble. No, because, no, but no, it's true because singing's hard work. You it know? is hard work, but I've heard you sing a lot of different bands' music. Oh, no, I, and I, I've learned. And, and it's working out, and it's a muscle just like anything else, and you can maneuver it and you got to have the gift. If you got to yeah, have yeah, the Yeah, I mean, you've got to be born able to do that because otherwise, I, I mean, I go to a good band, and it's four hours they're playing, and, and that person's lead singer, his that voice is the voice of every song. So, And that can be good also, but mm-hmm. when we did cover tunes, it was like, if you're going to do bus stop, do bus stop. You know, We don't need to mess around with this. Which a lot of people do. <laughs> they and shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's that's one of the things that makes you a great bar band is oh, that, yeah. you know, we know we what we're it. getting when yeah. you play it. And for those of you out there who are youngins and weren't around for the Cowsills, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of you know who the Partridge family are, which is... The Partridge family was based on the Cowsills. And for those of you who don't know the story, Bob, tell us why you guys didn't get to be you. L- first of all, let's go back. Well, let's Before we even get to the, the right. Partridge family thing, right. tell me when you, re- when you guys realized that you could sing and make music. Well, I, I know the story from Women Who Write, but tell us the yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, Bill and I, when we were seven and eight, got these guitars. And uh, yeah, you can't remember your brain at seven and eight, but yeah. something flipped. And he and I, out of all the children, um, locked onto these guitars and just got into it. Mm-hmm. So that, um, by, and our dad's friend showed us some chords and, and we went, we ran with it though. And, and uh, I, I, the passion was must have been there from the very, very beginning because the two always of, the two of you together. Yeah, the two of us did, mm-hmm. and none of the other kids did mm-hmm. were interested. I mean, mm-hmm. but they were babies. But right, my twin right. brother Richard wasn't interested. Paul mm-hmm. wasn't interested at the time. We're, they were just young, and interested in what Bob and Bill in the room, you know, strumming these two four string guitars. Well, how exciting is that? All right, uh, whatever. You're <laughs> seven and eight. What are you doing? <laughs> so, but then you're nine and ten. Then you're eleven and twelve, and you're in Newport and. As uh, when I was 11 and Bill was 12, or maybe 10 and 11, I don't know. You get that first. We were singing songs our mom showed us, you know, The Wayward Wind and Rock and Roll and Ocean. Your mom? Your mo- so your mom was musical. <laughs> she could Bef- sing. Okay. 
Yeah, she could sing. I didn't say she wanted to sing. I said she could sing. Okay. When the time came, she wanted nothing to do with it. But that doesn't mean she didn't have the, the talent. Uh-huh. Or, or, you know, it's just that other issues came into play then, just stage fright and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But she's la, 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 at the sink, sure. And uh, we even did a show in Ohio, a TV show. So that means I was in the sixth grade. So 10, me and Bill went on a, a TV show in Cleveland called Spotlight on Talent. How did that happen? My dad got us because we would sing at at the school things, and uh, uh, when we went went back to that TV show, he must have just got us in front of us. It wasn't these two kids. I mean, they were, were what what kind of music were you guys singing? We we sang on that show, Baby Blue. It was a okay. song that that it goes. Uh, B B B A B Y B B L U E, you're my baby blue. So we'd sing that in two part <laughs> harmony, and. Uh, it was a competition. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the sixth grade. I know specifically because Michael Quinn behind me is telling me, because <laughs> my friends have to vote when I go on this TV show, so we win. Oh. So Michael Quinn's telling me, Cal, so I'm going to vote for you. I'm going to vote 20 times. I'm going to vote 20 times. It was sixth graders. You know? Oh, okay, my God. It's for, before American Idol. It's like you uh, guys. It's, oh, it's all. So we go on, and we got charcoal suits, little suits on, <laughs> and we do the, the song, and, uh, but we lose to a magician. So, you know, so I get back to school, and, and now Michael Quinn behind Kelsey, Kelsey, you lost to a magician. I know, Mike. Y- you know, I called 20 times. Thanks. It wasn't, a, you know, whatever. So we had that ex- TV experience mm-hmm. was our first TV experience. And then we moved back to Rhode Island, and then, then we had a live gig. We played for the Newport Women's Guild Luncheon, me and Billy. And, I mean, but he could sing Connie Francis, where the boys are. Wow. Our voices were Mormon Tabernacle Choir boy age voices. Right, right. And then, oh, but before your voice in, changes. Yeah, we're getting oh, yeah. into, but we're getting into Avalie Brothers, and and we put a one band together was an instrumental band, the Islanders, and you did ventures, and but we're getting good on guitars now. We're getting older. Uh, we went into the studio for the first time. Well, first we added Barry as a drummer because we as a drummer. Wow. Yeah, because we knew about drums. We didn't know what a bass was yet. But I mean, like, <laughs> well, because we're fourteen and fifteen, and yeah, Barry's yeah. going to be ten or nine or whatever mm-hmm. he was. So you're the drummer. Now we're a trio, and we got this old professional shot. We're leaning <laughs> like professional musicians, the three of us. Uh, <laughs> but I can, I just go, where's the bass player? Anyway. <laughs> So as a trio, we start performing, uh-huh. and we could harmonize, you know. So that was unique, and we were young, and then, and then we we then John we I, look. I don't remember the day we we didn't have some meeting where we said, no, "Larry, we need a bass player. What are mm-hmm. we going to do? Well, let's move Barry to drum to the bass, and we'll put John on drum." But that's what we did do. And but John was like really little, right? He was eight. So we put him on drums. I don't know why we took Barry off drums and put him on bass instead of just instead teaching of just put John, John on yeah. bass. John must have drummed, and oh, he can keep a beat. I, I, it's too old. Long and actually, actually, the recordings that I've heard of John drumming, like from when he was eight or yeah, nine, yeah. he was already extraordinary. He like extraordinary. Good. It was very good. And and I saw that when when we did the documentary with Louise, you got to see a lot of footage. Right. Maybe that's where I saw and it. So Thank you. Louise. I saw him on the Ed Sullivan show, mm-hmm. and and I watched him. I said, God, "Kid was amazing." You know. Mm-hmm. And I went to him. I said, "John." John, I'm sorry. I I spent my entire career in front of you with my back to you. <laughs> Basically, I did. I never knew you. I never knew you were that good. <laughs> You're very good. Because when I saw my Ned Sullivan, I, there he was, and I could say, "Oh, there's what he looked like behind me. Look at that oh, He's quite good, and he's drumming really good. You know, I mean, I mean, clearly I heard him, but 
But yeah, you had other your things on your mind. Your brain doesn't work that way. You just don't, <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. It's very funny. But John was, so, so now we had a foursome. Mm-hmm. And then we were trying to learn Beatles songs, but all, all you could do is hear them on the radio. It was hard back then because there were no resources. You were right. on your own, okay? You had to figure things out because you either saw a band live on a television show and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't read about them. You couldn't. The teen mags critical. You could read about a lot of people if the teen mags liked you. If you fit right. the the mo of the teen mag, which is a more we were a family, so clearly we're going to be okay there. They, yeah, they lo- loved us. I had every sixteen yeah, magazine with you guys on the cover. There was and, and <laughs> as much as as we dreaded the words Gloria Stavers is coming over today. <laughs> She was one, and that was the kind of the editor of Sixteen mm-hmm. Magazine. She liked us a lot, which oh, meant yes, that she did. you're on the cover, you're in there all the time. All and the time, everyone bought them. They they laugh and make fun about them today, but they're revered as very important um, historical. That was part my life, Sixteen of, Magazine. Of that time, oh my right? God, yeah, in terms Sixteen. Of documents and what were people reading? How did you keep up on things? Absolutely, Mags. What? Well, Time Magazine wasn't going to spend much time with you on it, you know, <laughs> and it all worked. Yeah. It all worked. I mean, yeah. in our meet and greets today after a show, people will come up with these teen mags in like pristine condition. Oh, you know? my mother threw all of mine out. And, and you, you, you don't remember everything, you know, and so they opened the, we had a comic book. They'll bring that. Oh, sign oh. sign your story. And they open it and there's there's the comic. Oh, Bob goes to the beach. You know? oh. <laughs> this, this must be real exciting, this story. <laughs> You know, so, but it's great to see. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you don't, you don't look at that stuff all day. They're reminders of something big that happened that stays big in all of our minds, but not on a daily basis like it used to be, you know. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so, so you get the thing with the bass. So, so now you're. Now we're a band. Now you're a band. We're a foursome. We're the Beatles. We got our hair down, Dad. You know what's with the hair? You know we got our hair down, and we are learning Beatles songs like crazy. And what the Beatles did was gave all bands like ours enough material to go work. And we got a job down at Dorian's, which is a club down on Bannister's Wharf in Newport in the Navy days. So it's like so rough, you're working in a club when you tumble. guys are too young to. Even I don't know be in how the they did it, but they got permission from the mayor, mm-hmm. my dad, so that we could perform in a nightclub on wow. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. On Sunday, we couldn't, because in those days, you couldn't do rock and roll on Sunday, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and so we played Sunday, but we, uh, Bill and I went back to our folk music thing for Sunday, and they allowed that. So we, wow. Sunday was folk music night. But the other nights, initially, they John was eight, way too young. But all of us were way too young for this mm-hmm. craziness, but it was fun. Yeah. And, and we had to put John up in a room with his drum set initially and pipe him into the sound. Get out of here! Yeah, because he was just too young for this to happen until wow. they ironed something out. Anyway, we we uh, spent our formative uh, years playing at that club and becoming a band, really. You know, I mean, and you're sets. playing mostly Beatle covers? We're playing the, playing the hits of the day. Beatles, okay. 60s Invasion, uh-huh. Motown, mm-hmm. uh, all of it, all of it. And not original yet? No, no, no. No, no. Okay. Uh, we started writing when we heard the Beatles wrote songs, and we did a lot of things because they did it, because oh. we were young. I mean, come on. You know, you're 14, you're 15. Are they write? Well, we should write. They have a keyboard? Well, let's get a keyboard. So I learned we can work it out on a keyboard, because they, uh, they added a keyboard to their group. Wow. Because that's 
they were the template. Well, what else was there? And then what happens is as you age, get older and you do start writing and you, and you start evolving as an artist, all of this filters into a pool of foundation that is your foundation now. And then once you start doing what you've been learning other people doing so intimately, then, then it becomes you. It, it, it turns into you. And and what you guys created was a completely original sound it, that we had never just, heard before. It just and not and you know and again you're not sitting there going, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to create a very original <laughs> sound that no one's heard before. <laughs> I mean, no one's thinking like that. You're right. Who, you're just who you are. And we were into vocals and we were into pop and and uh, recording. recording. Okay, so for the fun. people out there that don't know how. Then your sister and your mother. Tell us how the band. Well, so the four brothers. So now we have guidance and focus, and we're getting very good. And uh, we get in this club. A guy from the Today Show comes to this club in Newport, and he sees us, and we go on the Today Show just because we're four brothers, young, and listen to these four guys. Uh huh. And they gave us twenty minutes with Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters, the host. Twenty minutes. Couldn't could never find that film, but oh. and all we did were cover tunes. <laughs> it's what we really? did. Well, what were we gonna do? That's all yeah. we did. We're yeah. coming from our club in Newport. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. we were, yes we do Motown. Yeah, they, he's eight years old. Isn't he good? <laughs> you know, all that stuff, and that's where we got seen. Of course, then people see you, and and the path starts. Johnny mm-hmm. Nash from signs us to the black label Joda Records, and our one to two year black New York experience takes place where we have black writers. It's a black label. It's it's every, the musicians are black, the producers mm-hmm. black, and and we're just soaking it all in like sponges, mm-hmm. me and Bill, because we came as the four white brothers from Newport. <laughs> so we're going, what's the black label thinking? You know, well, th- because Bill could sing so good, and so and we did soul music, and, mm-hmm. and we recently found the 15 songs that w- in 1965, when we went into the studio and seriously recorded for the very first time, we mm-hmm. did 15 songs that, that this black label, some of the ones they wrote, some Bill and I wrote, uh-huh. we, we recorded and we played everything. We were a harmonica band like Stones back then, mm-hmm. and we just found those songs like four years ago, I think, five years ago. Wow. They, they were sitting in a vault in New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, a guy called said, hey, I'm going to read you some titles. I said, oh, my God, that was the 1965s, 15 when we did those. You wow. Know? So that was a fun listen because it showed you the direction before – what is going to happen? That stuff didn't get released. No, no, we have mm-hmm. it. it will, someday, it's very good stuff. God, all this Jimmy uh, Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the the roots are there. Are we a surf band? Are we a Motown? It, it's mm-hmm. all over the map. This mm-hmm. this fifteen songs. It's all. It's everything. It's surf. Fun. It's so beautiful. Uh-huh. You can tell we're like these guys don't know where they're going, but we're just guys. You know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do we know? So, but we. We put out a record, it stiffs, we get dropped on the label. Mm-hmm. So then Shelby Singleton picks us up for Mercury Phillips, the brothers, the Kelsey brothers, mm-hmm. in 65, 66. And they put out two or three records that mm-hmm. don't do well. Mm-hmm. But the recording is awesome. The recording process. I mean, we're recording for everybody. <laughs> you know, it's all right, they're bombs. Oh, it's so great to record. Sorry. We're going to have a hit. What are we going to record next, you know? Uh, so, so we're getting into that. Mm-hmm. And then Mercury drops us, Shelby drops us, and Artie Kornfeld, we had met there as a producer. We were assigned to him. Mm-hmm. He was assigned children. And when mm-hmm. 
he talks about it's interesting because you know he go who am I producing? But we hit it off. He became George Martin to us. So Artie. Now, are you guys having a regular life at the same time? Are you going to school? I mean, what's going on with you guys in, in this pursuit? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in Middletown High School. So mm-hmm. is Bill, and kids are in grade school. And so you're doing that. Yeah. What'll you're... happen is we'll be taken out of school to go to New York for something, mm-hmm. like maybe a meeting or something. Uh-huh. With this because Dad, he said, you know, we had a meeting and we said, all right. Because we were getting very good. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting signed. And mm-hmm. like, do we really want to do this? So so after this label, second label drops us. Now I'm a junior at Middletown High. So second label drops us. But now Artie Cornfell gets upset that they dropped us. He quits with us. And he and Steve Duboff sit down and write The Rain, The Park, and other <sighs> things for us. Take us back into the studio, just the brothers. Mm-hmm. We record it. Mm-hmm. We have no label. And then at that point right there is when they thought after three bombs, two failed label attempts, going to school, we don't even want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) Because we're failure. Because you think, because each time you say, oh, we have a record coming out, oh, and then it bombs. To, well, the first time, no, we don't have a record. The first time, it's not a record. It's a hit record. Okay. Right? We, got a, we have a hit record coming out. You know, about the last time, you, know, you got a, yeah, we got a record out. I don't know if it's going to be a hit. You know what I mean? And then by the time you're dropping your second label, it's like, I'm dropped. You're dropped. What are you going to go to school and tell them what? Well, I got dropped by another label. Sorry. So they decide then that, that mom is coming in. And a part of us... Uh, the adult in me understands that they differentiated a, differentiated us right there by adding her. Everyone's a foursome. Everyone's got their hair down. Everyone's, God, we're all cloning each other because we, right. we want to. Right. <laughs> Everybody know? wants to be the Beatles. We yeah. want. This is exactly mm-hmm. what we want. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, what's the problem? Well, <laughs> the problem is you've been on two labels, had three flops. Oh, oh that problem. Right. I, I forgot about that problem. So we're the brothers, and now we're the, now they take mom, put her in the band. We've got to go back into the studio because she's got to be on the Rain the Park and other things. I mean, she's in the band now. We've right. done the recording already. Right. So we get her in. What year is this? Uh, 67. Okay. So I'm a senior. Uh, or 66, probably. Mm-hmm. 66, 67. Okay. Because we're, we're mapping it all out. Mm-hmm. And so we go into the studio and we got to... She's going to sing the melody of the chorus. I love the flower girl, the high part. Mm-hmm. But she's just wobbly. She's, her voice is wobbly. She's wobbly. She's, oh, I'm so nervous. So I had to stand behind her <laughs> and sing it with her. So when you hear the record, that high, I love the melody, that, you, you hear it doubled. It's her and me, though. Because wow. I, I had to push her through it by singing with her. Wow. And then kudos to her. Uh-huh. I mean, she just, she just she jumped right out of me, yeah, man. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And we did. I think that became... Uh, a, a, a used recording technique for us later that really? that we would sing together like that. She just did very well that way mm-hmm. versus alone, mm-hmm. you know. So once in a while that we would do a harmony like that just to get it done. I'd say, I'll help you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it, it worked, you know. So now mom's in the group and we have a million seller. And That's Susan, fast. Su- and Susan's seven. So it's like, oh, well, now what do you do with her? Well, well, she has to be with mom because she's the baby. Oh. Oh, then she's in the group. All right, now Susan. Paul's in the group. All right, everybody in. You know, okay, now except, now except t- the one th- tragic twin brother that has his own story. Okay, so now 
they're they're bringing your family in. How yes. are you four Beatles feeling about this? Uh, sabotaged. Okay. As teenage guys, uh-huh. the sound is going to get sabotaged. Mm-hmm. The Rain the Park and other things is nothing like the flop records, which we liked. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's poppy. We walk into the studio. There's Jimmy Wisner with thirty studio musicians. Mm-hmm. It's like what's that? Well, that is what's been going on at the time, that that. The Beach Boys are doing Wouldn't It Be Nice with Carol Kay on bass now. And, and uh, over Four Seasons are using these guys. And Spanky and Our Gang has Jimmy Wisner. And we're mm-hmm. all popped up with orchestras and harps and strings. It's like, holy mackerel. And me and Bill, we're put with arrangers. And we're talking to arrangers and, and arranging, talking to them because we can't write the music. So you got to sing them stuff if you hear stuff. And they write it. You know? Right, right. And they're arranging We Can Fly. And they're arranging The Rain, The Park, and other things. And they're just writing these charts. And we come in and, uh, to the studio. And one, two, three, four, boom. They play The Rain, The Park, and other things. It's like it's like magic. Wow! But we're standing there going, "How's how are we going to put that on stage?" The thing you're thinking is like playing live, right? Well, right. Well, we're not going to bring them around yeah. with us, you know. So we're going to have to. But you can't let it hold you back in the studio. You're uh-huh. going for something. Right. Worry about that later. Right. You know, you're uh-huh. working on a sound here, and you and you got it, and you just worry about that later. Well, we're going to triple the vocals, but there aren't three times us, <laughs> you know. But get over it. You know, the and so did you appreciate when you heard it the first time? Did you did you appreciate what you were hearing? Did you know? Did you know that time? This is a hit. This is no, real. I would never, after having <laughs> two record labels drop me and have three or four flop records, ever think I would think that thought again. Okay, <laughs> this is as no matter how good I thought it sounded, because you think everything sounds good that you do. I mean, why Absolutely. You? I'm a writer. Even Everything if way I write later you yeah. think back, I thought that was good, but you do. <laughs> right. You know. Okay, so when do you know this is a hit? Well. Where are you when you guys discover we have a hit? Well, we're, here's what happens. So we sign with them. They take us, mom, the song, the mm-hmm. recording to MGM, and uh, they love it, of course. They mm-hmm. love it. They love it. How can you not love it? When they love it. They got behind it, and they put us on a promotional tour that September that went went all over the country, flew for the first time, all of us. We'd not even flown. So, so. But how are you doing that song? We did it like a band. We just said, we're just going to do it. And, okay. and, and then here's what we learned. We learned early in our career that it's about the vocals. Mm-hmm. You can have, in fact, my son Ryan told me this, you can have a, 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 a show where the band's great, if your vocals are off, you had a bad show. Mm. You can have a show where the band's off, but your vocals are great, you're still gonna have a great show. Really? So it's all, yeah, absolutely. Because you can do that show, if you're singers and you have that down, you can do that show with the band, or you can do that show with one guitar, mm-hmm. okay? And if you're that type of group that can do that, you're blessed, because mm-hmm. the show will go on. Mm-hmm. And and with your vocals, you can rescue an off night. You can make a great night greater. Wow. Singing. Because people have been thumped to death for a few years now mm-hmm. with hip-hop. And, and look, every genre has its millionaires, stars, and its hit records. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not connected like we were. We all listen to the same thing. So we're connected. That's why. Explain Bob Dylan then. No, I'm only kidding. Bob Dylan? <laughs> look, because he's in a handful of outliers over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the rest of us are over here, <laughs> yeah. you know. You're the Beatles and then everybody else, yeah. you know, is, mm-hmm. is how we look at it. So it, that's how it works. And you're just happy to get any niche. But when you're working on that sound, you're not thinking hit record. 
but you are thinking that sounds pretty good. Okay, so now you're out on the, so so when do you know? Where are you? What's what's happening? How do you I was figure in out Artie that? Kornfeld's apartment in New York City <laughs> when WMCA in New York, uh, when the Love Rain the Park and other things went to number one there, and when Artie called uh, Cashbox Magazine and learned that it was going to number one the following week, that he turned and said, "We have a number one record." Oh God! And then it was like the reaction was good. You know, it wasn't party time. It was uh, mission accomplished. It was, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like, at, look, it had been climbing. To right. go to number one means... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, next week it's number one. That means it spent four weeks climbing this little mountain. Right. And it's, you know, 70 with a bullet, 54 with a bullet, 30 with a bullet. You know, still have a bullet? Yes, it's got a bullet. Oh, good. <laughs> that means it's selling well, you know, 10 with a bullet. You right. Know, it's like, wow. So you watch that climb. You don't want to give in to the final thought that you've done this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you, you have done it. You, you know you have because mm-hmm. you're watching it happen in front of you. Barry, every week it's getting higher and higher and bigger and bigger, and you're hearing it all over on the radio. I mean, a top 10 hit is something we all know, even if it didn't right. get to number one. Right. It, you know, so it was a hit. And, you know, you you hear it on the radio. That's the big. Imp- that's the biggest thing you can share with anybody that this small group gets is when you heard yourself on the radio for the first time everyone remembers that everyone has their story no matter how big or or small they they are they all know that one yeah so and that's the fun thing to happen when you hear that it's very significant yeah. Yeah. If you don't watch yourself, you'll think you have a hit just because you heard it on the radio. But you've yeah. heard other songs on the radio, and they're, hey, where'd that song go? Well, they don't play it anymore, <laughs> man. Didn't do it. Yeah. All right. So, so because I want to get a bunch of stuff in before we, we run out of time. Okay. So you have this hit, and then you have multiple hits. Then. Okay. Yes. Okay. So now you have multiple hits. You're a phenomenon, and they're going to make a television show. And you guys have already done well. I, I'm. I want you to quickly tell the the, the hair story with Carl Reiner because that's just such an amazing story. Oh, do you want that one now? I I, I do. I want that story. Well, now. hair hair. How we recorded hair came to record it was we lived in Santa Monica. We had had Indian Lake was a big had been a big hit. I I have to tell you, not it's my least favorite Castle song. Oh, of course. Personally, every band has their least favorite. Yeah, I could name most of the band's least favorites yeah. <laughs> like yellow submarine to me would probably be the beatles i don't know but uh, you know, i fast forwarded all the time but um but we had just come off that as a summer hit it, w- it was huge all right it was huge huge and and we can talk about that song too that's got its own story but anyway hair and we're sitting in in california and carl reiner reaches out to us to be on a tv special mm-hmm. with him and he and michelle lee and it's going to be about 60s fashion. Harper's Bazaar is going to be on there. So he sends us this musical album of the hair musical. Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a hit at all. It wasn't a hit? It wasn't I on our radar. Saw, okay. It I wasn't saw it when it first opened. What, what no, year no, no, this? no, no, no. It was going to be. Oh, it wasn't out yet. It wasn't out. It, oh, this oh. was like he got wind of this and, hey, listen to this song. This is going to be wild. We're going to oh. put you in wigs. You just lip sync to this funny song, all right? And we go, what is this? And so we heard it. This is a funny song. So we took it in. And... It was nice because we were just doing something to lip sync to. And mm-hmm. you had to lip sync back then. That was a good thing to do and a smart thing to do because TV shows did not know how to deal with the sound mm-hmm. of your band. And they will destroy you. Even Ed Sullivan, mics were off. The mix was off. You know, never mm-hmm. perfect, never perfect. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we're going to lip sync it. So, which meant 
in designing the song, that meant that each of us should sing part of the lead vocal because we're doing this for TV in mm-hmm. pre-thinking. All right, you do the first verse. Um, you do, Paul, you do this. I'll do the B section of the mm-hmm. second. Uh, Barry, John, you do the bridge. Mm-hmm. All right, and spaghetti for Susan, whatever <laughs> word. Right, you know what I mean? So we're trying to map it out because uh-huh. we're going to be filming it. And so we record it, and we love the way it turned out. I mean, we took our time. It took a long time because we hadn't played on our records in years. So mm-hmm. we're, uh, we, we, it just take... Would you, I mean, were you using the Wrecking Crew? No, no, no. We're doing it ourselves. I thought you said you hadn't played on your records in years. Right, we hadn't. During all the hits, Rain the Park and We Can Fly. Yes, Joe Osborne's on bass. You know, um, Buddy uh, Seltzman's on our drummer. You okay. know, we're in studio musicians, but with hair, take it in to lip sync. Uh, well, we can handle that. Okay. So we went in ourselves uh-huh. and just built that track and built that record. And so when it was done, we thought, God, this sounds good too, you know. Now we've had some hits. I'm not going to say we think we know hit records, mm-hmm. um, but we're we're very impressed with this. Okay, and we sent it to MGM, and they didn't like it, and they sent it back and said, "Look, this is not even the Cowsills. This isn't you, you know." Because remember Indian Lake. So <laughs> so this is like a radical departure, and we explain the whole situation anyway. You know, kind of relax. It's a TV show, you know. But listen to this; it's really good, you know. And we don't know anything about Aquarius. We know nothing about Three Dog Night. Uh-huh. We know nothing about Hair the Musical. Okay. We just got this record, and okay. they don't want to put it out. Okay. So we're in WLS Chicago. We are on tour that summer because we're going to do this TV show at the end of the summer. And we got it all ready. We got it in the can. We got it with us, and we tell the DJ on WLS, a big station at night, and and we tell them this um, story that they. Damn, Jim didn't like our version of our next record that we mm-hmm. think it should be. And he said, well, let me play it. We'll see if the fam- if people like know it. And who, does anyone know who this is? No one could guess. And he was going to give something away. Anyway, the station got in trouble for playing unreleased material, but that's just a sidebar. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is this thing just people Took loved off like it. Crazy. Yeah, people loved it. And then the whole hair thing. We're like, oh, we're part of a bigger picture here with Aquarius and like... Pretty soon, five songs from here are in the top five on, in the country. Mm-hmm. And we even bumped into the fifth dimension in an airport during that time. And we both looked at each all of us looked at each other, can you believe this? It's like swept all of us <laughs> up because yeah. no one went in, even with Aquarius, and thought, hey, we're, we heard about a real phenomenon coming along called Hair, a Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. Let's all get in on it. I mean, it was just happenstance. Wow. <laughs> but amazing happenstance. Amazing. Yeah. So okay, so all right, that's so that's the hair thing. So that's the hair thing. Okay, so now you guys have all these hits. Now they're going to make a television show about they you guys, are. and they're. But now, wh- now, why isn't it the Cowsills? Why is it the Partridge Family? Well, first of all, at the time they showed up, we were touring and recording, and we weren't over yet. So they came to the house, and the last thing we wanted to do, because our, look at your life. I mean, you're 19 and you record. And you tour, and then when you come home, you got a blue GTO convertible, and you kind of you're home, and then you you're going to record again. Oh, then you're going to tour again. But the last thing you want is a Monday through Friday freaking TV show that goes ten hours a day. Uh-huh. That's what our attitude is because uh-huh. we're teenage guys. Uh-huh. But we're going to do it if they tell us to because we're doing what we're told anyway. But these guys come and visit us to check us out, and they say, "Hey, we got this idea. You know, the mom's in the band. You can put on a bus tour." And yeah, we've done it five years. You know. Mm-hmm. And they looked at us. We were older. We were pimply. We were gawky. Mm-hmm. And we were not TV fodder, okay, mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Susan was and gets a, a nod from them in terms of, you know, we'll take the girl. Oh. They were never going to take the mother. It was oh. always a Shirley Jones vehicle. And so dad wasn't going to give them the girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole thing went 
fell so apart. Susan was already the, she was in, and then no. your dad kiboshed no, it. No, 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 no. Oh, oh. They they said we're interested in Susan. Well, not mm-hmm. you take everyone or no one kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So they went central casting, which was the right thing to do. They had a hit TV show. And we went to the opening and met everybody. It was great. I've had interviews with Danny in his radio days, Mm -hmm. Crazy Danny, and talked about it. And uh, interviewed Shirley for the documentary. Had a great talk with her. Shirley did Women Who Write with Marty before. Love her. Marty's so funny. He's such a funny guy. He's so crass. Anyway, uh, uh, so uh, that was a good experience, and it was good to get it turned down. We're, we were happy that we didn't do it. Now, the end of us was soon to happen. Okay, so tell us about that. Well, how, how well that all I'm happen? saying is about that same time, mm-hmm. you know, we were going we to collapse because my dad was going to find some pot that Bill had, and he was going to make the stupidest decision he ever made in his life, my mm-hmm. dad, by thrown Bill out of the family in the band, which broke him and me up. And mm-hmm. we'd been together since we were seven and eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And now how old are you? Now I'm 67. <laughs> how old are you when your dad broke you two I up? I was 19. 19. Okay. And so so w- w- hair is out. Hair is a hit. I'm working on the live album, but now I'm working alone. Mm-hmm. He's gone. And it just was the beginning of the end right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were drop AMGM. We put two albums out for London or maybe one and one I, I can't remember but two came out that without bill where you know i was trying to i was taking barry to be me and i was going to be bill and we're going to continue mm-hmm. okay so barry's going to help me now the way mm-hmm. i help bill so that was the en- the beginning of the end but it hasn't been the end because no, no. you've continued to play all of your life and now are thriving. It's um, weird. I, you just yeah. sent me this article from a concert that you did, I don't know, a week or two ago. Yeah, and still, I mean, massive fan of P. I I mean, people, the Happy Together tour that you guys <laughs> have been doing for the last we, couple of years. We were sitting with the promoter of, of that venue mm-hmm. last week in Massachusetts. And he goes... Here's the deal with you guys. It was smart to stay away because everybody else from our era mm-hmm. have never stopped. Right. Okay. None of them is what we found out, even though we did. And when you stopped, you, you stopped monitoring who didn't. Okay. <laughs> we had other things that we had to tend to uh, because you've just got to do that. You just can't scrounge around if you have children mm-hmm. trying to have another Which I wanted record. to say, you you of of... All of your family, you and Paul, are the two that had a side life of like sort of the most normal kind of well, life. Well, they're called day jobs still, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, honestly, God, people still call them day jobs. And I, I think, well, no, that's your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not your day job, <laughs> you know. Was it like a natural course for you to let the music sort of become less important? And yeah, and the reason was is because the way it ended was so was so contentious and negative that when all of us walked uh, some of us just walked i mean a clean break it's like Mm -hmm. i have had it with this business did you miss it for the years that you weren't like out there in the no because what we all did now barry and bill and susan they kept singing Mm -hmm. i mean troubadours Mm -hmm. all the way Mm -hmm. and but but what you do if you're a writer Mm -hmm. a songwriter and a recorder um you know how you write. Some people can make a, an appointment at their office 9 to 5 and show up and write songs from 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a batch writer. Mm-hmm. They have to come to me. <laughs> and they have to come with melody first. Mm-hmm. And they, ha- they come every 10 years. Mm-hmm. But when they come, it's like 16 of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have albums sprinkled 
cocaine drain, late 70s, mm-hmm. you know, middle years with a co-writer of mine, Peter Bunch. We did a whole bunch of recordings. And then Global is, you know, late 90s, that comes out. Finally. And your wife is, and Mary Jo writes with you. She wrote, with Global, we wrote okay. songs for Global. That, mm-hmm. that was like 20 years ago. I'm telling you, the time goes by so fast. Bob, tell, tell the people, how, how many children do you have? I have five. I I hesitate because there's six (laughs) grandchildren. I get confused. And the ages are always off by a year. Jeez, I can't get those ages down, man. The years they were born when I'm doing airline tickets, I can't. uh, Brendan, what year were you born? I know if you asked this 25 times. But it's it's beautiful because you're Mm. a really devoted dad and grandpa well, and and yet now you're well, having this big resurgence of the cow sills so how so how how does this feel now at this stage of your oh, life it, it's amazing because it is kind of a resurgence like <laughs> this promoters it was brilliant brilliant of you to stay away i said look that wasn't a business model man that wasn't a plan of ours to stay away because the point that person was making by the way was that we're new okay mm-hmm. As old as we are, we're new. Mm-hmm. And we were children at that time when all of our peers weren't. So all of our peers are now in their 70s and 80s. And right. we come bouncing in in our 50s and <laughs> 60s and we're new, all right? We're young. <laughs> and we have young life, uh, relatively speaking. So what we're finding out is people are glad to see us. Mm-hmm. And we're learning something very interesting that harmonizing apparently seems to be uh, a new thing almost. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's new again. And you talk to people and, you know, like I say, they've been thumped to death at these concerts with, mm-hmm. with beats and <laughs> that I think harmonized singing and especially genetic close harmonizing is really pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's it's just serving us very well and, and it's almost perceived as like, wow, from the audience, like and the, the older people, they know what they're hearing. They think this is how it used to be. That's what they're telling the kid next to them. That's how it used to be, you know. But it's still good now, and everyone's loving hearing it. I'll tell you that. Cause and and is it fun? It. For, are you having fun doing it? Yeah, it's great. You, know, you play with different bands. We have our own band, of course. But mm-hmm. sometimes the three of us go and play with a band like the Happy Together Tour, mm-hmm. where everyone uses the same band. They're, all these musicians know these songs and recordings, and it's all about the songs. The songs are carrying all of us now. Mm-hmm. All of us. Not no one goes and spends money to watch 80-year-olds sing rock and roll. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> but you spend money to listen to, you know, Harry Kalin sing Happy Together as if he was 24 years old. Which he you still do sounds, that. He still yeah, sounds right? like he is. Yeah. Or Chuck Negron. It's mm-hmm. like these sing. It's mm-hmm. the songs. Yeah. And if you do them well, even if you don't do them well, I've seen the audience <laughs> is, is it's a love fest because of what those songs represent to the audience and the group's performing them mm-hmm. it's very special and it's almost over and everyone knows it okay so i have a couple quick questions for you to end to that we're going to wrap with All so right. is there anybody that uh you've met a lot of your heroes i bet on the road and through this life you've lived is is there anybody that makes you starstruck is there anybody you've met that's sort of taken your breath away and like oh sure i mean honestly m- most of them because Especially with the Happy Together Tour, for those people who don't, the Happy Together Tour goes out every summer. It's 60s groups. I mean, different ones every summer. Mm -hmm. But it's all of us from the 60s singing our five hits. Mm -hmm. So through the (laughs) night, you're going to get 35 songs. of like, wow, those are great songs. Mm -hmm. So it's it's these songs. Uh, I'm telling you, they're magical. I see it all the time now. You know, and even in our show, okay, we had all the five hits. We, We stole I Think I Love You from the Partridge Family. Mm -hmm. We tell people in our audience we are taking this song as our sixth hit they are not here to fight us 
<laughs> and we make a fun thing out of it, you know. And then we perform it, you know. Okay, so wait, go back. So tell me who you. So who who's so, who you who's well, who you've been like starstruck you, over? When you meet Chuck Negron of Three Dog Night, and Chuck mm-hmm. was the was the long haired mustache mm-hmm. Three Dog Night, and that was our guy. Okay, <laughs> so when you meet him, and and you see him, and okay, seventy four. All right, but he sings like, oh my God, right? That. Is he seventy four? Yeah. Holy oh my God! I just heard him sing last he summer. He sings amazing. And man, yeah. yeah, you just go. I, I just can't believe my ears. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the songs are so good. It's yeah, like, yeah. and Mark Lindsay, and and but in the and then the TV show guys, Jonathan Winters, Johnny Cash, Ed Sullivan, you know, Wayne Newton. The, and you the got to meet all those guys. Met them all through doing TV shows mm-hmm. because again we're a family, so TV likes us too. We're very fortunate to to have mom in the group and be a family for for a lot of business reasons mm-hmm. that that it didn't we didn't come up intimidating mm-hmm. so uh, you know i we met in massachusetts last week we met at a meet and greet two ex nuns okay sisters yeah. of saint joseph okay while they were in the con in their convent and being sisters mm-hmm. of saint joseph the council's music was the only music they were allowed to listen to oh. in that convent oh <laughs> yeah Oh, that's so sweet. That was all right, a great wait. story. It, it, well, oh, <laughs> I, said, right, really? I, have, I have one last question for you. <coughs> because we have to humanize you because you're a hero to many of us like me. Oh. Um, do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything that you either like to eat, like to listen to, like to watch, like to do that you feel like, oh, God, I hope well, nobody's watching me? No. Well, well, I'll tell you. Um, I'm pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, I watch sports. Yeah. And, and I watch political television. Mm. And I watch political television because I, I, through all of my school years, was a history buff mm-hmm. and would read history, odd history books, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is like uh, watching history, but I don't have to read it in the book. I get to watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this is the first election that is 100% totally social media mm-hmm. driven. That's new. There's so much new going on. I mm-hmm. can't not look. So that's my guilty pleasure is I mm-hmm. like to watch that kind of stuff and keep up on it and uh, make sure I don't opinionate too much. Uh, Are you on it. social media? No. I didn't think so. Okay. No. I have nothing to say to anybody. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, I, I just don't. I mean, I have a lot to say, but I, it's best not. Um, Bob, before we, okay, will you play us out? Will you play something? Oh, because sure. we're sitting here and we can't let Bob go without playing something. Uh, oh, no, he has, to play. he has to play something. Really? Okay. Yeah, you do. Whatever you want. Something Whatever. in the way she moves. Well, she said play something. I like it. Attracts me like no other lover. Something in the way she Don't wanna leave her now. You know I believe in hell. There. Thank you so much. Thanks for being our guest tonight, Bob. It was such a pleasure as always. I, I love you to death. Yeah, do it. Give me a head with a hair. Long, beautiful hair. Shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxing, waxing. All right, see everyone out there. So, Justin Weezy, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about the takeaway with Bob because we really didn't talk that much about his life as much as we talked about the career, which we, we usually, I don't know. But for me, I think, and I'm saying this off of the top of my head without really thinking it through, but I think with Bob, the takeaway 
is being really prepared. I mean, what they did to learn their craft, to be self-taught, and to just sit there and memorize what the Beatles were doing and to know, to to know instinctively that's what it is. And that's... I think if you're interested in something, dig in and learn it. Really and it, learn. I mean, and, and that means do it over and over. What, what is it? Ten thousand hours. And to do just, it perfectly. Just keep working at it. And I love what he said about you know when they do covers, they do them exactly because that's what people want to hear, and it's the truth. You know, if I go to a, and I hear a bar band and they start riffing, J- Justin, how about you? Like when you hear. When you hear covers, do you do you want to hear a new take on it? Do you want to hear them the way they were? Uh, I normally like the way they were, but sometimes when someone does like a really different creative version of it, I kind of like that. If you're I, on I, the yes. voice, you have to make it your own. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I love the voice, and I love <laughs> when they make it their own. But some people are better, more successful at it than others. Yes. Right. Yes, and and the fact that Bob can sing pretty much any song and sound exactly like the original recording, that's a gift. That's a fantastic gift. And and I think preparation is where it's at with Bob Castle. Well, and Bob's just, he's just extraordinarily talented plus prep, prep plus the preparation. So absolutely. It, takes, he's, it, it takes a lot of both. He's great. And I adore him. And uh, thank you guys. And so we'll, we'll see you next week, next Tuesday, six o'clock, the road taken. Okay. So you guys, um, you can find me um, on all social media at Vicki Abelson. So that basically works for Facebook, for Twitter, for Instagram, for Google+. I make it really easy for you to find me. The only hard part is you have to be able to spell my name. No, there's no Y. No, there's no E. V-I-C-K-I and Abelson, not spelt like the word Abel, but it's A-B-E-L-S-O-N. So come out and check me out. Follow me, friend me. I, I, I hate that follow. What is that follow? I'm not Jesus. Don't follow me. Friend me. And, you know, I hate this thing where on social media where they say your your ratio should be way higher for how many people you follow on Twitter than follow you. Like, it's only good if you, like, are followed by, like, 15,000 people, but you only follow three. No. If you follow me, I'm going to follow you back. I want to interact with you. We are friends then. we They might not call it friends on Twitter, but we're then friends. So anyway, so come find me on social media and I hope to find you back. So Justin, social media, something about Facebook has allowed me to not only have fun and and go back and forth and, you know, have cute little quips with people, but it's really established very strong, deep relationships. And one of my very first relationships on Facebook was with a guy named Rick Smolke from Addison, Illinois. And I don't know how we connected. All I know is he was seeing what I was doing with Women Who Write at the very beginning. This is when I first started. This is going back eight years ago. And he immediately said, I want to help you. Rick Smolke is a commercial printer. He also does personal printing, you know, from business cards to CD to packaging to signs, calendars. He does all of that stuff. But then... And I hired him. He did the galleys for my book. He did my bookmarks. He did my signature plates. There, He is my go-to guy. And what I will say about quick impressions is 
what sets them apart from every other printer is the customer service. They are just the most amazing people. They have graphic artists on there that will help you design your card. Their prices will match any wholesaler on the internet. They'll get it shipped to you. Their prices are the best. The relationship you will have with them is the best. So what I'm going to suggest is if you have anything you need done, whether it's for your, they do, they do professional football teams. They do huge corporations, the printing. They do huge jobs, but they no job is too small because they're really people. They're people people. They're how does, what's that expression? They're people persons. And so if you have anything you need done, please call Quick Impressions. In sh- they're right outside of Chicago, Quick Impressions. And please ask for Rick Smolke and tell him that Vicky sent you. And I promise he, he's going to take, they are going to take such good care of you and match any price you'll get anywhere. Quick Impressions, Rick Smolke. And you can find them at quickimpressions.com. And that's quick, Q-U-I-K, no C, quickimpressions.com. Save the C for the Rick and ask for Rick. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. Please join me for The Road Taken, celebrity maps to success for those of us still seeking ours. Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Central, 9 p.m. Eastern on Conversations Radio Network. 